Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we're recording another episode of the podcast for you to listen and enjoy or watch for the videos. <laughs> watch for the videos. Too much shit um, in the desk today and in the room. Too much too much shit uh, around. Um, every time I record the podcast, every single time, I feel as if I never get feels if I never get it set up the way that it was uh, for the previous one. You know. So, so there you go. Anyway, what an odd start. As always, I mean, if we if we ever became too professional and just went straight into a, a broadcast, then it'd be weird. Uh, th- the desk is currently... Oh, my God. I'm, I'm knocking off desks. I'm, I'm smacking microphones. I can only apologise. Right, episode 43... Of the Scott Gibson Show, I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through uh, another episode We will, where we will discuss some of the uh, the battles that we have faced in, in day-to-day life and in existence. Another week in lockdown, another week where I, 
along with many of you, I imagine, feel as if the world continues to operate around you without you fully being involved. Um, I saw a, a, a notification on my phone today from Sky News. Sky News has been, uh, they've been busy boys, you know, since COVID started. I, I imagine, uh, as to have the BBC, if you have that news app on your phone, I do my utmost to keep the BBC uh, away from my phone. Because I don't really like reading shite. But anyway, I got I saw a notification today. Um, I can't seem to find the news article. Because I did want to talk about it since we started recording. Um, maybe I'll come out the next couple of days. Maybe Sky News just, just enjoy teasing a headline. Just to keep the fear monger going. But it seems as if scientists have uh, discovered the first case of someone who had... Uh, coronavirus, and who has got it again, reinfected. First time it's happened. Eh? They thought that if you got the virus and you, you ploughed through, you sweated it out, you know, bit of chicken soup, couple of hot toddies, and you get rid of the virus, uh, you are like some fucking outbreak monkey, you know, free to go. Eh? You get your COVID stamp, and you were off. No mask, nay nothing. Fucking spreading droplets everywhere. <coughs> Get that man off this bus. No, I've got my stamp. I see I had the virus and now I'm I'm cured so I can't get it again. Know what I mean? Oh, turns it. Turns it. You're not exempt. First case. Some poor bastard has uh, has retracted or recontracted the virus. No, again. Is it true? Who knows? Who knows what's true anymore? Who knows what's real? Up is down, black is white. Nobody fucking knows. We are all medical experts and complete idiots living in the dark at the same time. Alright? This is the beauty of having a global pandemic at the time we are living in. Every fucker is an expert on everything. People watch 20 minutes of a documentary. Would you like me to discuss uh, the plight of the sea turtle? Fuck off. I am hopeful for mankind. I am hopeful. The last few days, I have been seeing a bit more pushback, if you like, from the real world. I, obviously, as an artist, a creative type, a flooded operate in a different atmosphere from you, the civilian, the normal Joe, if you like, the Francos and Sanders of the world. I operate on a different plane from you. But occasionally, I drop into your world to see what's happening because that's where I earn my crust. Right? Telling stories of, of woe, of laughter, of joy. You know? Discussing observations, comparisons between your world and mine. And recently, I'd say the last two, three and a bit years, maybe maybe four, your world, the civilian world, has been a horrible place to exist. A horrible place. You know? At one point, the... The, the snowflake army, the, the alt-left, had grown to a strength 
many of us never anticipated. Very few knew how to deal with it. But now it does feel as if the real world is starting to push back a little bit more. I am seeing a lot more people tell others to fuck off and it brings me hope that there is a future for us all. That's, it's, it's giving me joy. I wish I had a specific example for you. I don't. I just know there is a, a feeling of anger amongst the people. And that anger boils up, feeds its way through the mainstream, and then that manifests in good comedy. That's what I'm hopeful of. You know? I'm hopeful that as we go further and further down this lockdown, global pandemic, fucking COVID bullshit, people start to get a bit angry again. And then that anger manifests in, 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 you know, in the dark arts, in the, in the dark comedy. Right? You know, instead of this constant whine of, um, someone might actually be offended by that. No, a couple of months ago, even at the start of this pandemic, whatever we were saying, whatever you did, you know, if someone was to pipe up, actually, now, I am offended on behalf of, the the mass response would have been, oh, I am so sorry, we did not take into consideration that group that we have never heard of until today, but my God, I can assure you, that person has been removed, they have been cancelled, and we will remove that, that tweet or that comment, whereas now it does start to feel a wee bit as though people are going, I am upset by this, and the vast majority are responding with, fuck off. So there's a hope, you know, that we're going to move back down that road. And uh, because I tell you the truth, right, I have been writing a bit, I say right, he says writing, I've, I've been I've been having some ideas, right, the creative juices are flowing once again. I have gone to the fountain, to the tap of comedy, I have turned the nozzle and droplets, droplets have, have fallen from the faucet. I've caught them, and I've consumed them, and fuck me, there's some stuff ticking over there, but I'm going to be honest with you, it's very dark, it's very dark, you know, I have tried, I have, believe me, please believe me, since lockdown, I have tried to write wholesome family, you know, Saturday Night at the Palladium, BBC One comedy, I have tried and I can't do it. I can't. I, I have tried. Believe me, I've tried. I've tried. Believe me. You know, I've tried. I've tried to write jokes about. You know, <laughs> that's what I've tried to. You know, nice little happy. Oh, young Timmy, wasn't that a fantastic little bit from that comedian? Oh, Papa, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've tried to write that stuff. You know. The masses, that's shit. I've tried I've tried to be them and I can't be them. I can't. So the stuff I've got to know, you know, the ideas, the way the world is, the way that we're all feeling, it's dark, man. You know, but I am hopeful that by the time we get back to live gigs, the audiences will accept the darkness. You know? I'm not even running stuff past the missus anymore. I'm not even. I'm not even offering out suggestions. There was a, there was a time 
there was a time, not that long ago, where I'd say, hey, do you think this is a funny idea? No, I'm not even going down there. You know? I'm not going to get down there. I was going to tell you about that I tried to write the other day, you know, about Bronson fighting. I'm not, I'm not, even, I'm not even going to say it because, again, in the context of a podcast, sitting listening, you're not ready for that. You need to be in a live environment and we've got to build up, you know, and it'll be a build. We don't just go straight and turn all the lights and you go, oh, the horror. It'll be a build. I started reading Billy Connolly's book again, right, the, the wee stories. And uh, the opening few pages where he addresses, you know, the book and the people. It's, uh, it gave me a kick up the arse, man, you know. And in a sense, I thought, I felt as if I needed it. He- here's the truth of the matter. I um, I have obviously been, fe- I've been feeling very low the last couple of months. I have managed to deal with my mental health quite well I think since lockdown started financial aspect of it time at home I never appreciated how much the little breaks away are good for me uh, good for my head also good for your relationship you know I love my missus she's the most incredible thing as ever. she's amazing amazing woman Absolutely amazing, that lassie. Makes a mean cup of tea. But those those weekends away or those breaks or when you would be away for maybe, you know, two nights or three nights, it, it was good without realising it. Because it gives you time apart. It gives you time to, you know, be alone, me and her. I don't think people appreciate how important it is to just be alone for a little bit. Not in the sense of, not in a lonely sense, like that you don't have anyone to talk to or anyone to interact with or anything to do. Just just be in your own company and be comfortable with that. You know, I, I am quite a, a lonely person in the sense I enjoy my own company. I enjoy... This desk is going to get fucked out of windy. I enjoy being alone. <laughs> I enjoy being alone in my in my own my own space, and uh, I often think it must it must be very hard for people who are are unable to do that. It must be very hard for people who are unable to just be be alone with themselves. I had a friend, um, again, I need to stop doing that. He's not really a friend. A guy I know, right, through stand-up. And uh, people would think he's an alcoholic. And I remember one day having a conversation, I was like, you know, people are people are worried that you're, you're turning an alcoholic, man. And his response to it was, first of all, it was very honest. And uh, I remember thinking, he's, he's nailed it, he's, you know, he's... he's what he's saying is true. He just is unable how to deal with it. And and he would say he's not an alcoholic. He just he cannot be alone. He just can't be in his own company. So he knows that if the option is being alone at home in a flat, he would rather be in a pub 
And if he's in a pub and he's conversing and he's chatting to people, the likelihood is he's drinking. And he's doing that to combat the loneliness or just because he's unable to just be by himself. No, he is an alky, right? That's regardless. But it must be it must be hard for people who are who are unable to be with themselves in this time. I, I've got I've got two friends who they don't have partners. You know, they live alone. One of which has struggled with lockdown um, because he's always travelling. And I think being at home and being in a space has maybe made him realise that he's not built a home. It's, it effectively, it was just a place to sleep when he was back in Glasgow. Uh, and then my other friend, she's, you know, she's coping really well because she's, she's just living her life as normal. You know, because she, she has... Not that she's used to being alone in the sense that she, she doesn't want to have anyone significant in her life, just that it's not a great it's not a great difference, you know? And um So I've been thinking a lot recently about my career, about stand up, about what I'm gonna do, what happens if the situation doesn't lift soon, what happens if we can't get back to work. And I spoke a little bit about it in the Patreon episode in the last podcast as well. Uh, about how the strains financially are kind of really getting the top is now, but reading that book again and looking at some stuff that I've seen recently where a few people in comedy have been posting a lot about, you know, these outdoor gigs or some of the stuff that, that have been happening down south with friends in London and whatnot. And although I am completely outside of the industry, in the sense of these gigs won't be offered and highly unlikely that I would be on these bills. Some of them have been appealing and when I've looked at them, I thought that looks really cool or that would be quite fun. But the reality of it is, with some of the lineups that I've seen, and if you are to believe the, the response that's been portrayed by the audience, what I'm realising is, if that is the level of stand-up that is getting a reaction, they would fucking hate me. <laughs> they would fucking hate me. You know? And it just got me... Th- and I mean, what I mean by that is, the content and the material and the delivery, the harshness, the language, the swearing... Everything that I do as a performer, and I don't do it because it's an act, I do it because it's natural. I don't swear on stage, and many people have said this in the past, you know, if you don't swear and it's nice and clean, you're more likely to get picked up. Picked up for what? I'm doing what I want to do. Why does it always have to have this need of moving you on to something else? I am a fucking live stand-up comedian, I am doing what I want to do, I can't give a fuck about your little shit TV programme, where you've got to pass over your, all your material, and have somebody go through it with a fine-tooth comb, and say, you can't say that word, but may I suggest this word, you may can suggest sucking my dick and fuck off, very happy doing what I'm doing, and I swear, during my sets, because I swear in real life, it's the natural rhythm of my voice, I, I I talk about 
dark things or darker material or, or say some stuff that may be considered offensive because it's just the thoughts that I have and other people have these thoughts and it doesn't come from a place of malice and I would never say anything to truly hurt someone and if it was I would I would refrain from it but it's real and it's raw and it's true so I'm not going to change it and I have seen some videos of you know some people and audiences and I just think Although I miss dead, I cannot put any words how much I miss live comedy. I I can't explain it to you. All, all I can suggest is the the one thing you love the most, have it taken away from you, but still existing and still seeing it every day. That is what this pandemic has been for me as a performer. I love comedy, but I no longer will ever and i'll say this now on the podcast and it's being recorded it will remain in history i will no longer change what i do for an audience never again never again i've done it in the past where i've maybe you know gone on in the middle or gone on at the end or been part of some kind of mixed bill thing and you've been put in and you see people go on, you know, one after the other, and you think, my God, this is the same fucking mundane, PC, you know, fucking daytime, family-friendly bullshit that's just churned out and churned out. The same person, the same fucking thing. And then I come on, and then in my head, you know, you go, right, knock it down to second gear, take all that out, swear very little, if at all, and get through it, and then you just feel like, I've done it, I've done it in the past, and I'll be honest, as soon as I come off stage, I just think, what was the fucking point, what was the point, what was the point, the, the performance, the gig, the live act of doing stand-up, of talking, of doing stories, of talking to people, it's meant to be a two-way thing, it's give and take, it's not standing up, reciting the same 20 minutes that you've fucking been doing for the last 10 years that's not what it is it's art it's real it's interactive you know and and to have had such a long time away from it i'm not going to do it again and reading starting to read the book again that certainly part of the start it uh it just it just it just made me realize that why I love, why I love live comedy, you know, and if we only get it back in, in little bits or in stages, you've got to cherish it, and you've got to look after it, and you can't disrespect it anymore, and you can't treat it like shit, and by that I mean putting yourself in a situation where you are going to have to change who you are or what you do, you know, I remember years ago, right, I wrote a story about a, a pineapple. Uh, some of you may have seen me do it, and it was basically about, my, long story short, my grandfather thought that his mother had died, and then the family had something to show him, turned out a pineapple, right? Now, I've bastardised it. Now, the finished version that I did in a show was tied in with a, a part about um, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And can I lub these two stories in, to make it a nice little bit about my grandfather and parenting skills compared to, you know, 
parent skills of your father, right? So how your grandfather and your father raise you differently, right? That kind of thing. And and by the time I, I got that bit of that story into a show, it had been fucking ramped up and made my own, right? It had been made to feel as though it comes from my voice. By that, it was, you know, it was a story. It was, you know, quite descriptive and it was dark in parts and fucking dealt, made you think somebody had died, you know, as most of my bloody material seems to be. But it had taken these two stories, mashed it together, and I was happy with it. Happy enough that it went into a full tour show, right? But that started as there was a gig that used to run in Glasgow in the basement of a fucking pizza place, right? And it was a god-awful gig. Uh, the room, nice enough wee room, but what ended up happening was you would either do it at the weekend and people were there to get a cheap pizza, so you would run through your stuff, uh, or you were on after like two or three people that it really just made it as if you were there to rescue the night. Or they would have these new material nights where you would go in, and like everyone else in Glasgow, and I imagine some smaller kind of comedy communities, it's full of open spots who instantly resent you as soon as you walk in. One, because you don't know their names and they think they're the cool gang. And two, they continue to die in their ass week after week and you come in with new material and fucking storm it, right? But these a lot of people are just too afraid to admit that they're no good at something. And I can remember being in the room a couple of times. I didn't do it that often, to be fair. And thinking, I could, and this is... The God's honest truth of how that bit of material came about. I was having a conversation with another, what you would call club comic. Someone who tours the UK doing big comedy clubs. Right? And the conversation was along the lines of some of the alternative acts feel as if it is a, a higher level of comedy that they're doing. And the argument was that we are looked down upon for being club comics, right? You'll you, you never really truly understand the kind of snobbishness that exists in UK comedy and that we are looked down upon as just being a club act or you're referred to as a club act. Now, I've always hated that because anyone who's referred to me as a club act knows that, well, I know that it annoys them that I can do the clubs and then I can also go and do an hour-long narrative-driven fucking story piece at the fringe because I'm absolutely dynamite and the conversation we were having that night was along the lines of we could we feel as if we could go to an alternative night and do a piece of alternative whatever that is material and get as much of a reaction as we could doing a, a stagging hen rowdy drunk comedy club weekend but it would be difficult to go the other way right and that was a conversation and I said to my mate I says, I could go up there and talk about a pineapple for five minutes. And I guarantee I get a laugh. And that's what I did. And I went on. And I made up a story about a pineapple. There was no swearing in it. And the story was that my grandfather came home to discover this big reveal. It was a pineapple. It was a status, there was a status symbol fucking years and years ago, right? People used to have, like, greenhouses and grow pineapples in it and if you had a pineapple you were like seen as fucking aristocracy right i don't know the old days were weird but that was a story and from that it, it grows and grows and grows and then it becomes what it became and it makes it into a full show but reading reading the book again and reading the stories and reading the the initial kind of dialogue that billy Connolly had put in 
it just makes me it's just made me realize that whatever you do in life that brings you joy and makes you happy if you can find a job or a way to earn a living through something that you truly enjoy then whatever it is that led you to that point you have to stay true to that and keep doing it now whatever your level of success is and we've spoken about this in the past as well where for what i regard as my success is probably five or six levels down from what most comics in this industry regard as success but that's where i want to get to and that's where i will be comfortable but whatever it is that brought you to that in the first place and whatever it is that you do that has given you that road, that path to pursue the thing that you love, stay on that fucking path, man. Stay true to yourself and stay on that path because as time goes on and you are immersed in whatever industry, whatever environment it is that you've chosen to be part of, it will constantly try and push and pull you into their way of thinking and it has given me a new lease of life man to think that life is not a sprint for want of a cheesy fucking analogy we are obsessed with with youth on every fucking platform you know, he's only 16 year old and he's the greatest fucking bloody blah ever. That lassie's only 21 and she's fucking achieved 90 billion Who cares? I'm watching a documentary literally last night, Eddie Pepitone, right? That I hadn't seen before. I've watched two specials. Amazing comedian. Um, Got a podcast out as well. Bitter Buddha. Wonderful comic. Absolutely love him. And uh, the documentary was, I think, 2013. And it's following him kind of on the last kind of surge of his career before he, you know, got really big. And there's loads of other American comics in it saying, like, they, they don't know why Eddie's no massive and blah, blah, blah. And it follows him about and he does his first headline set in New York. And it's a great wee documentary. It's on Netflix. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but if you just search, it's not on Netflix, it's on Amazon. If you search Eddie Pepitone on Amazon, it'll come up. He's got his two specials and this documentary. But in the documentary, he's 53, I think, or 54. You know? And it just... Reading the book again, watching that documentary, it just... It just gave me the, the, the wee push I needed. The wee kick up the ass I needed. Because I had started to fall one way or the other off that path. You know, I was starting to get really depressed again. I was starting to, I could feel myself slipping. And I needed that, I needed that wee knock. And I needed that wee, that wee kick to say, listen, it is important to understand. It doesn't matter how quickly you get to a point that you are, that you feel successful. It's, it's as long as you can continue on and be true to yourself, and be honest, you'll get there, and if you get there in 10 years, great, if you get there in 40 years, brilliant, doesn't matter, what matters is that you get to the end, and you look back, and you think, hey, I did alright, 
I did it on my own. I did it my way. But what I'm trying to say without joking is... I needed I needed to read that, you know, and I needed to watch that wee documentary just to give me a wee kind of kick. And maybe some of us, some of you good people, maybe need that as well, you know. It's been a tough year, man. It's been a hard year. Some of us will have had to make horrible decisions, tough decisions, forced into a situation you maybe hoped you'd never be in or you don't know how to get out of. But it's not going to last forever and you just got to see it through one of the things that I read in the book and it made me think of Bill Burr as well um, who's also an incredible comment if you don't know who Bill Burr is my god I was going to say stop this podcast and go and watch it but you know finish finish the podcast and then go and watch it um, any one of his specials Billy Connolly talks about in the book that he he never writes anything down he talks off bullet points, and it's stories, and it's 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 real, it's true. And because of that, every night can be different. Now, by that, the definition is not every night is different, but the flow, the order, the tags, the add-ons, the drift-offs, the little tangents that he spins on, that will be different every single night. And that's why I love him. That's why he's the best. That's why he's my favourite. And that's why I do what I do. I'm not Billy Connolly. I never will be. But the style of telling stories, allowing yourself the freedom to go off, is a beautifully creative thing. But you need the audience to understand that. And this is where... The part in the book and the Bilbo thing came in there. Because not everything has to finish with a laugh. Not everything has to be funny. And that is getting harder for some comedy audiences to accept because you are being conditioned by this canned laughter, Saturday night, you know, short, snappy, 30 seconds, you know, all this, like, five seconds punchline, five seconds laugh, ten seconds laugh, all that bullshit that you're being conditioned to think, if I'm not laughing, it's not funny. And if I'm not laughing, it's no comedy. And that couldn't be further for the truth. You have just got to accept that you're going on a ride. You're going on a journey. Some things will be funny, some things won't. Some things might take a, a twist here. Some things might come back in. Some stories may never be finished at all. And, and I, I just want, I just want to get back to gigging, man. I fucking miss gigging. But the Bill Burr thing. So if you if you watched his last special that he filmed at Royal Albert Hall in London, there's a bit in it where he does a bit and it goes very quiet. And then the audience starts cheering and going mad. And he says to them, you don't have to do that. I know myself when to move on. And I know that something didn't work. And it's this, it's this idea that we have built this kind of feeling of, oh, just give it all your best and what a great try. And almost if people are afraid to fail. You know, and it's not fail. I mean, he's Bill Burr. He's one of the fucking greatest comedians 
that's ever lived. He's not he's not a failure by any stretch of the imagination. But like anybody else, he's an American in London. It's not his home crowd. He's, he's done a bit that maybe hasn't hit as well as he thought. And then they, because there's not been that raucous reaction, they've all gotten bored going like, keep going, but like, fuck off. We are... We, are, we need to become comfortable again with silence. And we need to be comfortable with, as we said at the start of this fucking tangent rant, being in your own company, being alone, sitting quietly, listening to a story, listening to somebody talk, having a laugh. And if a bit doesn't get the reaction or a story doesn't get that response, just sit absorb it, enjoy it, move on, not everything has to be responded to with raucous cheering and laughter, you know, not everything requires a response, it's a, it's a performance, it's a dance, it's a fucking to and fro, but yeah, read that book if you've not read it, Billy Connolly's, is it Wee Stories, is that what it's called, um, Aye, it just it just came at the right time, man. It just came at the right time. I just I had to read that and that documentary that I watched the other night was brilliant as well. That was a it was a good kick up the ass. Anyway, what are we up, man? Are you you have got to be joking me? Are we over half an hour? Oh, in the name of God, man! Uh, why do we we keep doing these mad tangents? Right, apologies, team. Apologies for that. I've always wanted to be able to interrupt my own podcast with like breaking news and it's never happened until today because guess what? Breaking news! I am recording this a full 24 hours after this episode that you are listening and I hope enjoying has been recorded and uh, I'm interrupting with some absolutely bloody spectacular news because I got a phone call this morning from the incredible, amazing people at the Classic Grand in Glasgow. And guess what, guys? Guess what? Our prayers have been answered. Because we're coming back! Yes! Live comedy for your old da is coming back. Here it comes. Make a note in your diaries. The first gig back is Sunday. It's a Sunday sesh. Sunday the 20th of September. Sunday, the 20th of September, I will be in Glasgow at the Classic Grand doing a full show and it's going to be amazing. Now, tickets go on sale this Friday at 8am, the 28th of August, this Friday, 8am, tickets go on sale. You can get those tickets from C-Tickets, just search my name, Scott Gibson, or go to my website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk and the ticket link will be on the home page. Now, couple of things to say straight up. Social distancing is very much going to be enforced at the venue. So, what that means is this. The capacity has been heavily reduced. Um, we've had to do that in order to comply with the social distancing guidelines. And that's fine because doing the gigs is the most important thing. So, 
There's only 100 tickets. And that's it. We can't push it anymore. There's nothing else we can do. So if you want to come to this gig, and I hope you do, get on those links and buy the tickets. Now, the tickets themselves, you have to buy them in a minimum of two, right? A minimum of two tickets because the venue itself will be set up in seating banks of two or four. And it's just easier this way for the venue to organize the seating if we sell the tickets this way. So when you go on and you buy them, you have to buy them in banks of two. So if there's two of you, you buy two. If there's four of you, you buy two bundles of two. Do you get it? Okay. On the day, Track and Trace will be there. Um, very straightforward. We'll probably try and get the wee thing that you scan. Um, but listen, the guys who run the Classic Grand, the staff themselves, they are fantastic. It's some of the best people that I've ever worked with and that is the reason why I keep going back they are amazing, and I know everything they have in place, it will make it not only a great day and a great gig, but your safety will be paramount. So if there's anybody who has concerns over it, do not panic. Everything will be in place to ensure that everyone in the venue is compliant with social distancing. All right? I cannot wait for this. I'm absolutely buzzing, man. This could not have came at a better time. And Sunday the 20th of September, now that we've got it in the diary, I can look forward to it. And it's going to be an amazing gig, man. And I really hope you can be there. There'll be some old bits. There'll be some new bits. There'll be some mad stories. I'll obviously be talking about what the hell we've been going through in the last six months. And I hope you can join me. Sunday, the 20th of September. Classic Grand in Glasgow. It kicks off at four. Doors will open from three. I'll give you more information the closer we get to the date. But get on the website. Get those tickets. And I hope you can come and spend, and let's be honest, it's going to be an iconic day. It's the first gig back in six months, man. So I really hope you can be there. Sunday the 20th of September, Classic Grand in Glasgow. Tickets go on sale this Friday, 8am on C-Tickets. The link is also available from my website. That's it for now. Um, yeah, not much else to say. I'll pick up, uh, talk about this a bit more on Friday's Patreon podcast. And then I'll be discussing it and, and punting it uh, until the date. So that's it. Sunday the 20th of September. We're, we're back, baby. We're back. Glasgow Classic Grand. Tickets on sale this Friday, 8 a.m. Get those tickets. And I hope to see you there. Now back to the podcast. I've always wanted to say that as well. Now back to the show. Back to the podcast. Enjoy, team. Speak to you soon. All the best. Onwards. Okay, um, what are we going to talk about? Right, I've got a few things here. Um, first off, massive weekend for sport just gone by. Champions League final. Deutschland, Uber Deutschland, Bayern München uh, against Paris Saint-Germain. A lot of hatred for El PSG. A lot of hatred. Um, I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's the money. I don't know if it's the uh, you know. What's his name? Ne- Neymar. Uh, the fact that he has sex with his sister. I think that's an issue for a lot of people. I personally can't stand Ratface Dia Maria. Uh, you'll, you'll win nothing. You'll win nothing with that man. He was... I mean, there isn't even enough words to describe how shite he was at Manchester United. And then the Rata-faced bastardo. Ends up getting fucking hundreds of grand a week at Paris Saint-Germain. 
He doesn't know his luck. I tweeted 30 minutes into the game, so I'm going, unless they get this fucking toilet off at halftime, PSG haven't got a hope in hell. And what happens? They fucking get pumped 1-0. Now, it wasn't the final everybody wanted. Uh, Bayern 8-2 against Barca. What a game. Uh, PSG 3-0. Uh, Leon, everybody thought great at this final. It's going to be goals plenty, And I'll be honest, in my head, I thought it was going to be 4-3. Or a high-scoring draw. Uh, get any extra time if no penalties. And then it ended up being 1-0 to Bayern. Still a good game. Uh, glad Bayern won. Um, you know, it's it's odd with the empty stadium. It is odd. And just the fact that they... I mean, I know... Listen, I'm never going to win the Champions League, you know. My, my playing days are over. And it was the wrong sport. I'm a rugby man, right? A man's game. You know, a gentleman. But it must be weird receiving a, a trophy in an empty stadium. It must be. And still having a day the you know, the dancing and the oh and the head inside the cup and the oh hey, to fucking nobody. <laughs> it was weird, man. It was weird. Um But the the biggest sporting event was uh, the boxing uh, the night before. And uh what a night. I don't know if you watched it. If you didn't, you should you should all watch boxing. It's it's amazing. And um you know, if you're one of these people like it's barbaric, it's violent, it's just it's just utter violence and attacking. Fuck off, right? Fuck off. It's it's brilliant. But people who have this idea that boxing is violent or that it is in some way barbaric or, or old fashioned You've no idea what the fucking sport is. No idea at all. You, you will... i tell you something. You will have far more violence in football and disrespect in football than you will ever have in boxing. You would never find a boxer who would disrespect a referee or an opponent the way footballers do. Never. Just wouldn't happen. It is, no one can deny it's a physical sport. It's violent in the sense that it's fighting. But it's controlled. And it's a sport. And the more you watch boxing, the more you listen to the commentary, the more you listen to the boxers discuss the fight, you very quickly understand, this is not fighting. This is a sport. Many, many years ago, I did a, a gig a kickboxing night in Glasgow where I run by a guy, Bernie Hammersley, who then became a very good friend, an amazing guy, an incredible man. And that night, there was six or seven bouts of kickboxing, and then one of the fights was just basically two guys who'd been constantly fighting in pubs, and they decided to put them on to settle their differences once and for all. And I thought that would be funny. I thought it would be interesting to see how it goes. Now, fully kitted up, Heads, you know, gloves, leg guard, everything. Um, had the people in the corner. There was people there for the for the gym, organising an official referee. And it was awful. It was awful. It was just two idiots uh, trying to throw haymakers, dead within the first thirty seconds. Struggled their way through two rounds. Horrendous. And that is when you see the difference between someone who is trying to have a fight and someone who is having a boxing match. And one thing I'll say about the boxing as well, 
again, you can't really compare sports, but I'm going to compare it to football simply because that is the one that we've been exposed to the most. And certainly for football, if you think that the English Premiership, for example, or the Champions League or the Europa League um, was brought back during quarantine because the country needs something to look forward to, that was brought back for money. That's it. Money. No other reason. Not because... You're a Man U fan or a Chelsea fan or a fucking PSG fan or you love the Champions League. It was brought back for money. That's it. Money. The boxing, every single one of them had a mask. I couldn't believe it. Every single one of them had a mask on. Every one. When they come out of the camp, masked up. The 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 coaches, the, the corners... Every one of them had a mask and a face guard. Every one of them had the, the bibs when they were coming in at the ring. When you saw the action of the fighters walking to the ring, every member of security had a mask on. Every member of the backroom team had a mask on. Everybody had gloves. PP'd up to their fucking eyeballs. The event itself, um, Fight Camp, I think, is the is the title of it or the name of the of the kind of the shows that had been going on. Um, Eddie Hearn, matchroom boxing. You'll know Eddie Hearn. He's like the Vince McMahon of fucking boxing. Uh, who, to be fair, I quite like. He's got some decent banter, man. He he had put this uh, event on, or these run of events, in the back garden of uh, the family home, which I think is also the matchroom boxing offices. Um, And I remember when he first, the first idea first came out, and people slagged him. I remember him being in Sky Sports going... We're going to put a fucking boxing ring in the back garden. And people are like, this Eddie Hearn's a fucking idiot. It was spectacular. It was absolutely brilliant. It was brilliant. And I, I would I would have watched it again and I would pay for it again. Uh, hopefully, obviously, as with every sport, you want to see an audience back in, you want to see crowds back in. And certainly, at boxing, that's what generates the money. But I, I would watch that again. I, I would hope that that would become... A, a regular thing or a semi-regular thing and possibly allow younger fighters or, or semi-professional or fighters who are maybe the up-and-coming things to feature and I, I think it would be an amazing event but the big fight uh, obviously White and Povetkin now I'd put out quite a few tweets I've been a fan of Dillian White for a number of years I think he's been mistreated I think he's been hard done by the sport I think boxing is quite corrupt in the sense that it's a little bit like the wrestling. Not that it's fake, and don't all the wrestlers start having a fucking panic attack. But they they enjoy having a front man that they can get behind. And I think uh, Anthony Joshua has been the man that boxing has been happy to push to the front for many years. I know Anthony Joshua's beat Dylan White in the past. And, other than the Povetkin fight was his only defeat, but I do think Dillian White is a dangerous, dangerous heavyweight. Now, he got knocked out, yes, um, it was an unbelievable punch, but as they say, that's heavyweight boxing. Now, he had dominated the fight, he put Povetkin down twice previous to this, and then Povetkin just came in with one of the most spectacular uppercuts that you've ever seen in your life, and it was like proper shutdown. You may not be able to see it there in the picture, but 
if you haven't seen the knockout, you need to check out, man. I mean, as soon as he connected, it was as if D- Dillian White just shut down. You can see his eyes. As soon as he connects the uppercut, rolls in, takes the, the jab, rolls back, and then bang on the left uppercut. And just, he's out cold, man. You can see, it. when as he's going down, there's nothing there, you know. And that's why you love boxing, especially heavyweights. That's the top of the tree, man. Cream of the crop. Anything can happen. And that's why it's dangerous. And then, like I said, to go back to that point about it being a sport and not a fight, when you listen to the, the interview with Povetkin after it, he talks about studying Dillian White's fights, identifying that he is either unable to throw an uppercut or defend against it, and then using that against them. And when you hear... When you hear him say that, and then you realise that is exactly what he's just done in that ring. He's been knocked down twice, dominated in the first couple of rounds, but he knows all he has to do is get in that one shot, that one moment, connect properly, and he'll put you to sleep. And it's it's spectacular. I was devastated to see Dillian White lose, I'll be honest. I really wanted him to win because I was hoping that it would push him on to be... You know, up there with the AJs and, and Furies and Wilders. I'd love to see him fight Wilder. I'd love to see him fight AJ. I don't know if that... I hope he still gets a chance, and I think he will. He'll get a rematch. I think he'll take Povetkin out in the rematch. But it'll be interesting, man. But it was a... It was an absolutely... Spe- not only was it a great night of boxing, some of the undercards were amazing. I'm not going to talk about Katie Taylor, because I think that's corrupt as fuck. Um... But aye, great night for the heavyweights. Well done to Povetkin. I just wish Dylan White had got that victory. But hopefully in the rematch, which I think they'll make again this year. I guess him then. But what a weekend for what a weekend for sport, man. Great, great night of boxing and, and, a, and an okay night of football, you know. After struggling through another horrific SPL match. Scottish football's fucking dying, isn't it? There you go. Did you enjoy the boxing? Did you watch it? Hopefully we get some big fights coming out this year, man. We will wait and see. What time will we at now? God almighty. I need to get some kind of new setup. This this desk is doing my absolute boxing. Honest to God. You can't even move without fucking smacking yourself off it. Right, let's do a couple of let's do a couple of news stories, and then we have got some good listeners' questions as well, man. Um, let's talk. I don't know if I, I must have had like a horrific coke habit in a past life because my nostril is always itching, and I don't know what's going on. Let's talk about this fucking crazy bastard um, who does look as if he's a Bond villain. Yeah, nah, look at him, chiseled jaw, handsome big fucker. Um, this is the the guy who's been poisoned, apparently, by the uh, the Russians. Um, what is the fucker's name? Alexei Navalny. Alexei Navalny. I mean, if that does not, if that does not scream James Bond villain, I don't know. Alexei Navalny. Um, I'll say up front. As Chinese, uh, you know, 
Russian bots, Chinese bats are, are probably listening to every conversation that's going around the globe. I love the Russians, right? Let me get that out there. I've got a soft spot for the Russians. I always have and always will because they don't fuck about and I like that. And in the modern world that we live in, the Russians don't fuck about. They're old school, right? It's black and white. They're binary, okay? One, zero. That is it. They don't... There's no grey area. There's no... Um, can you give me one more day to, to think about... They don't fuck a bit. You know, somebody's gone to the, the, the Kremlin, to the gaffer, or they've maybe not even made it to the gaffer, they've maybe made it to the number two, you know? And they're like, listen, some fucker, Alexei Nalev, is out there shouting his mouth off, poison the fucking cunt. As quickly as that... Uh, should we no run this up the flagpole? Poison the fucker! I, I like that. In a modern world where bureaucracy takes over, things are taking weeks to make decisions on, the Russians just move in and they fucking kill a guy. No, I don't even think he's dead. I think he's still alive, which is even better. You know? No, obviously. I'm sure the poor man's been through hell. And I don't want anybody, I'd never want anybody to come to harm. But at the same time, if you know that the Russian government, Putin, if you know that Putin will have you killed, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what country you're in, right? You could be in London, you could be in New York, you could be in Shanghai, he doesn't give a flying fuck, he'll kill you. If you say anything about me, I will kill you. And cunts still say things, and cunts still get killed. And then people get angry. You're like, fucking shut up. German doctor, now this is from Sky News. German doctors treating Russian descendant Alexei Nalavev, Navalin, Alexei, say tests indicate he was poisoned. Oh, fucking send Poirot home. The Germans have solved this one. And if anybody knows a few things about poisoning, it's the fucking Germans. Am I right, lads? Yeah. Uh, medics at Chatre Universe Medicine in Berlin, uh, where the Putin critic has been since being transferred from Serbia, on Saturday said the clinical findings indicate intoxication by a substance from the cholinestrin incubator group. Don't know what that means. The specific substance has not been identified so far, and a further wide-ranging analysis has been initiated. The effect of the toxin, i.e., the cholinesterate inhibitation in the organ the orgasm and the organism has been proven several times in independent labs. They said Mr Navalini Nava Navalini fucking why am I so bad at names remains in an artificial coma and is in a serious condition but there is currently no acute danger to his life other than when fucking one of the Russian sleeper agents inside that German hospital gets fucking switched on and suddenly he find out he's been choked by a pair of bed socks. He's been treated with antrophine, but the doctors uh, said they cannot currently determine whether he will have lasting issues. I'm going to tell you he's got lasting issues. He's going to be dead. There's no more lasting than death, especially in the area of the norovirus system. I thought the story was going to be longer than that, so that was uh, a complete waste of time by dragging that picture on your screen but there you go so he's in a hospital he's alright you know and if I was him 
I'd, uh, I'd keep my mouth shut. And then maybe you might fucking make it home for Christmas. But you've got you've got to admire the Russians. And another thing, wasn't Hollywood movies far better when Russia was the bad guy? Eh? Hunt for Red October. The Rocky movies. You know? It was just a it was just a better just a better bad they're just a better bad guy. You know? ISIS fucking Iraq, the Middle East, these films are shit because they're shit bad guys. We don't care. You know? We feel as if we feel as if we'll always beat those types of terrorists. You know? Rightly or wrongly, we're going into the Iraq war. We'll kick fuck out the bastards. Now, if we had been at that time going to invade Moscow, we'd have everybody went, fuck me, this could be a long one. Even China. I know everybody's like, the fucking Chinese. The Chinese don't want to kill you. They want your money. They don't give a fuck about killing you. They don't care if you live or die. They're not going to try and kill you. They just want everything. That's it. That's all China wants. Everything. Right? Again, you've got to admire that as well. There's no grey area. You know? We want that. Well, we're not selling it to you. Well, fuck you. We'll just make our own. And we'll make it look exactly like that. And we'll sell it cheaper. There you go. Fucking fair play to you. This whole thing about Chinese are going to come over and they're going to kill us, man. We're all Chinese androids. They don't want that. There's enough fucking people in China. They don't need you as well. They just want everything in the fucking world. That's it. Russia's probably the last good bad guy out there. They're probably the last old-fashioned fucking dagger in the teeth, crawling through human shit, fucking good old-fashioned baddie. You know? Everybody else would screw you over and sabotage you and double fucking stab you. No, the Russians, man. The Russians were old-fashioned. You're bad guy, my bad guy, stripped to the waist, fucking here we go. You know? And I admire that. I like that. And listen, if they poison a couple of people, fucking, hey, you know, it's fodder, man. These things happen. These things happen. Anyway, anything to get good movies back. That's all I'm saying. Right, school masks. School masks uh, is another one uh, in, in, in Scottish schools anyway. First of all, let's just look at this picture here because school masks have apparently been introduced into Scottish schools because, believe it or not, uh, coronavirus cases are going up in schools because, one, kids are dirty fuckers. They are a sponge for viruses. And two, most teachers have just returned off a five-month cat holiday and are on a heavy fucking come down. So their immune system is susceptible to everything, including coronavirus. But let's look at the picture, because this fucker, it's not, even, not only she's not wearing a mask, she's just got a fucking hand over her face, as if that's going to protect her. This article again, Sky News, because we're avoiding the BBC at all costs. Um, 17 members of staff and two pupils have tested positive. Oh, I don't know, this for a coronavirus at a school in Dundee. Dundee! Uh, less than two weeks after Scottish schools returned, fucking hell, uh, three community contacts linked to Kings Park School also tested positive for COVID-19 as of 6pm on Sunday, just before the Champions League game as well, fucking hell, what, what news to get, the school which caters for children aged 5 to 18, what, this is why these big massive schools, every country, 
Uh, five to eighteen with additional support needs has been closed since last Wednesday due to the outbreak, and pupils have been told to self isolate for fourteen days from last Thursday, which they won't be doing because parents are at work, so the kids will be out. So it doesn't fucking make any sense. So who gives a fuck at this point? Any parents, carers, or siblings living with the children should also self isolate if they cannot self distance within the household. So what's going to happen is, or what has happened as we're seeing here, kids have been forced back to school. We are trying to restart our lives, the economy, the world, without being properly protected or really understanding that cases will further go through the roof or continue to spread. Your child's then been sent home. You, as a parent, now has to stay home because your child has now been quarantined because somebody's been infected at the school, even though you were told to send your child to school and you're now in a position maybe where your employer's going, listen... We're not getting any fucking more handouts. We're not being furloughed anymore. If you don't fucking get back to work, you've not got a job. But I can't come back to work because the fucking Wayne's been sent home for school because there's been 17 new cases. If you don't get in here Monday morning, you've not got a job to go back to. So then you go into work and lo and behold, you've not got the fucking virus because your daft Wayne doesn't wear a mask, just covers her hand and then you spread it and it gets through the roof and before you know it, it's 2035 and still no comes back to work again. What is the answer to this? I don't know. Is the answer, we just, as I've said, pick a date, 4th of September, 19th of October, 21st of January, and just go, right, see after that, it's every fucking man for himself. <sighs> Contact tracing identified a link, it's very smoothly back into this. Contact tracing identified a link with two other schools in Dundee, with one primary two child at St. Peter and Paul's school, testing positive on Sunday and another case identified at the Happy Times Out of School Club, oh my, uh, at Downfield Primary School on Sunday. The outbreak at Kings Park School, which has 185 pupils, came after schools reopened in Scotland on the 11th of August. 185 pupils, that is a very small school. Uh, Scotland's First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, who I am very quickly losing patience with, Confirmed the outbreak on Monday. Say, uh, confirmed the outbreak on Monday and said, "Let me stress the importance of these rules on self isolation. Self isolation is a crucial way, perhaps the most important way, of keeping clusters like this under control." The first minister also announced uh, a consultation into a recommendation for secondary school children to wear face coverings is in its final stages after the World Health Organization have advised over the weekend pupils aged 12 and over should wear them. Again, we're going down this road of pigeonholing people going, um, children of age 12 and over should wear face masks unless you're 5 foot 2 and above. So if you're 5 foot 2 and above, but under the age of 12, you must wear a face mask. Now, if you were born on a day of the week ending with the letter Y and are left footed then you must also wear a face mask during Greenwich Mean Time 3pm to 7.30pm but only if you are facing south by southwest and have consumed pearl barley within the last three and a half months. Does that make sense? Just say, why do I feel like I am losing my fucking mind? Just say to people, if you leave your cunting front door, put a fucking mask on, you bag of human waste. That's it. No, if you're over 12, if you're under six stone, if you only work the weekends, none of that fucking bollocks. I don't care if you're man, woman, child, 
whatever. Don't care how old you are. I don't care what sex you are. I don't care what you identify as. I don't give a fuck what your pronouns are. If you leave your front door, put a fucking mask on. End of story. End of fucking story. Or just come out and go, listen, the mask is all bullshit. None of this is real. Fucking enjoy yourself. Let's see what happens. I'm fucking sick of it. Ah. The UK's uh, four, believe it or not, chief medical officer said very few, if any, children would come to long-term harm. So fucking just let them go to school then. Let them go to school. Very few, if any, children would come to long-term harm for the virus by attending school while there was a certainty of harm from not attending. Fucking wankers. Dr. Jenny Harris, England's Deputy Chief Medical Officer, Deputy, couldn't even get the fucking main person in, told Sky News on Monday the risk of catching seasonal flu or being involved in a road accident is higher. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, for children going to school than contracting the virus. So, you know, more likely to be hit by a bus than uh, contract the virus. Although these people have indeed contracted the virus. So who knows? But there you go. Ball bags in school. Wear masks, if these idiots understand what a mask is. Um, fucking assholes. Right, I'm conscious that we are at an hour um, already. And, uh, you know, with this being a council episode, technically you're only meant to get an hour, you know? Not that I'm trying to deny you uh, the sound of my voice. Um, so let's just say, if you do want to support the show, and I really hope you do, uh, I hope you would like to get some more content, you can become a Patreon. It's the best way to support me, support the show, help it grow. There's some things that we would like to do with the show. Um, but to do that, oh, excuse me, to do that, to grow the show, to create more content, we need more Patreons, because the Patreon money allows the podcast to grow, it helps the, pod the podcast uh, continue to evolve, and I have a picture in my head where I would like to get to with the podcast, I would like to be in a position where we have uh, a studio, I'd like to employ some people to help with the podcast and, and for us to make some more content, the, the dream scenario would be that we're in a position where we can make regular content on a weekly basis on top of the podcast that go out whether that be online sitcoms whether it be sketch shows whether it be different types of of interviews whatever it would be but but to do that we need to grow those numbers so to everybody who is part of the patreon just now i thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting the show but please if you are listening and you want to engage further or continue to help us grow become a patron you do that at Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Go to the website, all the links are on there. And if you sign up to the Patreon, you get two episodes a week. Um, you'll get the council episode on the Wednesday, you actually get it early uh, if you're on a Patreon. And then you get every single Friday, you get another Patreon-only episode as well, which, uh, which, are, which are good wee episodes, man. I'm enjoying doing them. So, do it, sign up, five, five bucks. Um, or you can go higher, get a pin badge and fucking all sorts of goodies once we get back to normal. But yes, please do support the Patreon. So let's do let's do one question now um, from uh, everyone who's asked. I've got some amazing questions here. Andrew, Simon, Stephen Barton, Douglas Anderson, Stephen Harry Wilson. Thank you very much indeed for your questions. We're going to do one now and the rest of you guys we will pick up 
uh, on Friday's uh, episode for the Patreons only. Um, right. Let's just go with the talk. Let's go with Andrew. First question in. Uh, and thank you for getting in touch, Andrew, and asking the question. Uh, Andrew has asked on the Patreon, you love a movie and a TV show? Yes, I do. But who would you like to play you in a movie of your life? And would you like a comedy or drama or a drama like Man in the Moon? Man in the Moon, what a fucking film! Oh! Who would play me? Danny DeVito. Uh, obviously, <laughs> no. Who would play me? I have no idea. Um... Do you know who've just popped out of my head? Nick Frost. Nick Frost. I'd, I'd, I'd get him to play me. Um, big boy. Unit. Loves his food. Funny guy. I'd be quite happy for him to play me. Uh, I'm trying to think of kind of big, heavy, bald men that I'm aware of that are actors. This is the thing. Hollywood does not like the fuller figure, you know? Do you go the other way and pick somebody weird and get them to put fucking 12 stone on, you know? I don't know. Who do, you, who do you think could play me? Hey, get in touch. Drop us a line. Answer us a postcard. Um, I would love it to do... I'd love to do something like Man in the Moon. It's an amazing film. I might watch that again tonight. I I like comedians who, when they do acting roles, do straight roles or do drama. Um, I don't, I don't know if you get... Me, I mean... I was just about, I was just going to say something stupid and I've stopped myself. I know a lot of comics, more so Americans, who are stand-ups do comedy movies. But then I think maybe as time goes on, if they focus more on the on the film side and the acting side, they they lose quite a bit of what makes them a comic, you know, because it is a muscle man. You've got to keep doing it. Um, so if I ever got that, I mean, if I, if that was you know the you can fantasise about a career and make up. If I got to the point where I was making movies, it would be, I'd love to do like a, I love Jim Carrey anyway, I think he's incredible, right? But I do like that he bridges that between comedy and drama. Now obviously, I don't think Jim Carrey's done stand-up for decades. But I think you can, you can have someone who's a very, very good stand-up comic and do serious roles rather than doing the comedy bits, you know. Who would play me? I don't know, man. I don't know. Good question, mate. And Man in the Moon as well. You just remind me of that what a what a brilliant film and what a documentary that is. Um, God, I've talked about it before. And I can't remember the name of it now. Is it Jim meets Andy or Andy becomes? A, it's basically a documentary of Jim Carrey making the film about. Andy Kaufman, Man in the Moon, which is phenomenal. And you need you do it that way around. Watch the film Man in the Moon, and then watch the documentary. Because if you, if you love the film, watching that documentary after it will give you an even even bigger appreciation. It it's an amazing film, an amazing man, an amazing actor. Great film, right, Andy? Okay, listen. Uh, we've rabbited on for far too long. Apologies, but Simon, uh, Stevie Barton, Douglas Anderson, Stevie Wilson, we'll get to your questions on Friday, boys, and thank you so much for getting in touch. If you would like to ask a question um, or you want to support the show further, please do become a Patreon man. Let's grow these numbers. We've got a good little bunch in there. We want to keep it going up, and uh, yeah. Big plans, man. Like we said right back at the start of this episode, it's not a sprint. We'll get there eventually, and I, I know that. We'll get there eventually. We'll get to where 
I want the show to be. Um, but I can only do that with your support. So if you can, become a patron. If you can't, I understand. Um, you can help the shows another way by simply sharing on your social medias. And uh, it's probably a good place to stop because that lamp there is about to go out. Right. Subscribe. Uh, share the post. Share the episodes. Um, I don't know. The usual stuff. I can't really think at this point. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy yourselves. What he's doing. I don't know. Just live. Live your lives. Be happy. Be free. And uh, hopefully see you soon. Hopefully I'm going to have some news to tell you soon about some gigs as well. That would be interesting. Right. Stay safe. Wash your hands. And your asshole. And I hope and pray to the sweet baby Jesus. I see you on a battlefield soon. Onwards. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.